Praise God. If you're a guest with us today, we want to welcome all of our guests today. We're so thankful you're here with us, worshiping with us. I want to say a big congratulations to Rich and Kimberly who were married yesterday. They had a wonderful ceremony and we're so happy for them. We congratulate them. And also want to say big thank you again to Mother Wright for being here this last two weeks helping us out in our period of transition. And also, one more time, a big thank you to Pastor David Wright for allowing us to borrow John and Teresa being here today, Brother Ingblom helping us on the drums, and uh, it's good to see Sister Teresa here, and uh, we're thankful for their help in all of this. Amen. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, I know you've been standing for a little while today, but if you just give me just two more brief moments, and I'll let you be seated. Genesis chapter 6, and if you would, you would jump down to verse 18. I won't, for the sake this morning, read the beginning accounts of this story. This is our first of our series in September, Lessons Learned from the Ark. Uh, But we're going to skip down, and we're going to start at verse 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living on all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou, bring, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. Thou shalt keep male and female. Of the fowls after the kind, of the cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing. And that's where I would have a problem right there when they have to use the word creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And Take thou unto thee all food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather it to thee, and thou shalt be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded, so did he. So this is our first in our series, Lessons from the Ark. And this week we're talking about church stinks. Church stinks. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There's actually somewhat of a discrepancy. Some have pointed to this as a contradiction. It's actually, once you study it, you learn that it's not a contradiction. It's simply an expansion. There is sort of a second narrative to the flood story that we find in Genesis chapter 7. Because most of us, when we recount the story of Noah, we recount the idea that the animals came on two by two. And we see in nursery walls or we see in illustrated books the line of animals as they march two by two onto the ark. That's not exactly biblical because in Genesis 7, it actually says that to bring seven pairs of the clean, one pair of the unclean, and seven pairs of the birds of the air. So it wasn't just simply two of every kind. And so I want you just for imagine, and, and I know, can I, let, let's be honest, from a natural standpoint and a secular, scientific, big bang standpoint, the story of the ark seems 
to be far-fetched and seems to be sort of, oh, that this can't happen. That's sort of a, a, a Sunday school song or a Sunday school story or a nursery story. The fact of the matter is the Bible's true or the Bible's not. I can't, I'm not here today to debate with you all the scientific explanations for all of this. That's for another time, another place. The fact of the matter is the word of God is true from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, let's be honest, folks. It was far-fetched just several hundred years ago that the earth was round. That was a far-fetched concept. So the fact that our modern thinking, we think we have arrived at all knowledge and somehow things, you know, like we know are, you know, beneath us, uh, we, we don't know everything. Our, our, our society doesn't everything. So if we can just set aside maybe your scientific debate on the authenticity of every line here for just a moment and talk about some principles that we find in this story because the Old Testament is not a part of the Bible that we as modern Christians should annex. The Old Testament is not 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 footnotes to the new that we say okay well that's it well the bible says that's old and my bible says that's old so if it's old that i don't need it i need the new testament first of all the bible never defined an old and new testament the translators defined an old and new testament in fact i'll even throw this out there most of you know this so don't give the punchline away what if I ask you what was the what's the first book of the New Testament? All of us in here that haven't heard this question before would respond Matthew, because when you open up your Bible, your Bible says Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Slight problem. The translators determined that Matthew was the first book of the New Testament, but the Bible tells us in Hebrews that a testament is not in effect until the death of the testator. We, we talk about today that a will, if you write a will down and you have a will and when you die, this is going to happen, it doesn't matter what you put in that will, the effects of that will don't come into effect until you've died. And the, the Bible says that a testament is not in effect until the death of the testator. When did Jesus die? Into Matthew, into Mark, into Luke, into John. What was the first book written in our Bible? What's the first book in our Bible after his ascension? Acts. Well, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says it's the New Testament starts in Matthew. Well, your Bible comes from a translator. The Bible interprets itself. So the Old Testament is simply not footnotes. It's not something we throw away. In fact, Paul tells Timothy... In his letter to Timothy, he tells Timothy all scripture, all scripture is given to you and is prop, profitable for rebuke, for correction, for doctrine. And when he sat down and he wrote this to Timothy, what scripture was he referring to? He wasn't referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Hebrews. Guess what? They hadn't been around yet. So when he said all scripture, the scripture he was referring to was the Old Testament. So Paul says, 
The Old Testament has things in there that need to be discussed. They're not just simply stories. And a lot of people, especially those critics of Christianity, criticize the Old Testament because of the, the, the sort of the blood and guts and the perversion and all the stuff that's in there. How can I read a book and how can I believe a God that would put all that into his book? That's another subject for another day. But the fact of the matter is the story of Noah has principles in it that here we are living in a modern world that those principles are still in place because God is a God of pattern and principles. And God establishes a pattern or establishes a principle and because he's God, And he does not change when he establishes that. He sets the parameters by which he will operate going forward. So he may be rigid in principle. The application may be flexible, but the principle always remains the same. So we can learn about God and the way God is and the way God deals with his people by looking at the patterns and principles that are laid out. And so the Old Testament becomes the foundation of the principles by which God works and the application of those come in the New Testament. So the New Testament has no framework without the Old Testament. A lot of people get into trouble because they just simply read the New Testament without an Old Testament framework. I'll give you one. There's people that say today, That if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you shall be saved. There's a problem with that. There's no principle or pattern of that to be found in the Old Testament. Nowhere in the Old Testament was salvation simply through confession. Salvation was something that was done in a a pattern laid out in the tabernacle. Peter stands up and gives us that pattern. Repent, baptized, and filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have to understand that the Old Testament and even the book of Genesis and the story of Noah, the story of creation, are not simply stories that go under the footnotes of Christianity that are, uh, are, 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 are so we, that those who are creationists can have something to, to hang their hat on. But the book of Genesis has important principles and patterns. For instance, one of the first ones we find in the book of Genesis we find the principle of God's creative word. Let there be light. The power of his word. And the power of his word in our life because he speaks into our our life and he creates something out of nothing by his word being spoken. In here today, As I am preaching, not because of me. I'm not saying this because of me to toot my horn. It's because of the office and the anointing. But as we're speaking today, there is a supernatural creation that is happening in your spirit because this is not a speech. Preaching is not a speech. Now, some some today, they don't call it preaching. Most modern churches call it a talk. Well, a talk comes from your mind. Preaching comes from your spirit. I don't, I, I'm sorry. I'm not the smartest person in this room. And if you're going to sit here and listen to my intellect, well, then I shouldn't be the one holding the microphone. Let's find the, the smartest people in the room and let them be the ones holding the microphone. But 
Preaching is a supernatural thing. Because let's be honest. 52 weeks, there's 52 Sundays in a year. 52. This year we lose a Sunday because it falls on Christmas. We don't have anything on that day. We've already scheduled nothing that day. So for this year, it's 51. But most of the time we have 52 Sundays for us that are members of this church. And those 52 Sundays, a good majority of us come to church twice a, twice a week. On those Sundays, twice. So that's a minimum, without anything else, a minimum of 104 messages you hear a year. I'm 35 years old. I've been coming to two services a week my entire life. 100 services a year, minimum, preaching, times 35. That's a lot of messages. And you know what? Of those Thousands of messages. Boy, I can remember 10, 15 really good, probably another couple of dozen fuzzy. And then it just starts getting to a dark, deep hole after that. So if, if preaching is simply about what you can remember, then we're, we're, we're way down, the, we're, we're way off the reservation. So what is it? Preaching is supernatural. So what does that mean? I can't tell you how many times God brought something back to my memory when I needed it that I had totally forgotten. And I remember, oh man, I remember that being spoken. I remember that being said. And God brings it back. So I say all that to make the disclaimer that what we're discussing over the next couple of weeks is not a, not a Sunday school story. It's important. So we're talking today on this. Church stinks. But it's a good thing. Because we read in the story something that I, I want you just to immerse yourself for the next 15 minutes. And I'm not going to be very long today. But I want you just to go in and immerse yourself into this story. And I want you to immerse all of your senses. I want you to immerse your ears. I want you to immerse your eyes. I want you to immerse your nose. Because that's what we really want to focus on today. And God says to Noah, I want you to bring these animals onto the ark i have done some research and found several there are some people that have boy they have done some serious work on this and there are there are several different um theories out there and they give you all the math and breakdown there are some that say there could have been upwards of fifty thousand animals on the ark some estimate it could have been as low as twenty thousand have you ever been to a zoo? In a zoo, there's hundreds of animals. I, 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 if, you've ever, if you grew up this way, I'm not, I, God bless you. But if you go to Pennsylvania, if you blindfolded me, I could tell you when I get into Pennsylvania. I don't even need to be told you're in Pennsylvania. If you blindfolded me, I will tell you we're in Pennsylvania. Not because God spoke to me. Not because I have some kind of special sense. I know we're in Pennsylvania because I can smell it coming. Because Pennsylvania has a smell to it. Because you got all those farms. And those farms produce an odor. And we go to a church camp every year. 
and, and, and it's up in Pennsylvania in Roxbury. Roxbury is this booming metropolis of about 30 people probably at least. And they have a church camp there. And it's really, it's, it, it, this is the, we go there for spiritual reasons, but there's some carnal benefits to the church camp. One of those is, it really is, has a very picturesque setting. And my wife and I, we love to exercise, and, and, and my wife's a big runner, and I, I'm so-so, not as much anymore after my surgery on my hip, but I still like to do it. And there's a, there's a road there that is just, it's so awesome to run. It's sort of out in the middle of nowhere. There's no traffic, and you can run this road, and it's just surrounded by mountains and beautiful valleys. It's, it's awesome. One slight problem. Right when you leave where we stay, you go about two-tenths of a mile, you pass a cow processing facility that literally sits 10 feet off the road. Now, when you're leaving and running the first time, you have enough energy and capacity that you can close your nose and just sort of get through it. But when you're coming back after about six miles and you're gassing out and you know that facility is coming, the amount of odor that emanates off that facility combined with the exhaustion of running that far it's all that you can do because when you leave, you can just sprint past it. I mean, you just blaze the trail right past it. When you're coming back, I mean, you're sucking air and you can taste. It's so bad you can taste it. Taste it. So I want to just for a moment to take that kind of idea. And let's open the door to the ark and let's Noah take us on a tour. And I want you to go into the ark and I want you to close the door. And they were on that ark, not for 40 days and 40 nights. That's how much it rained. They were on that ark for around 370 days. I read one estimate that if you have 20,000 animals... Those animals would be producing around 12 tons of waste a day. In case you don't know what that means, that's 24,000 pounds of poop <laughs> a day. Can you imagine what that would have smelled like? Can you imagine trying to sit down to a meal and have an appetite with that aroma filling? I read something very unique, though. Somebody did a very calculated, detailed uh, breakdown architecturally. It was a firm, actually, out of Korea, a boat a ship engineering firm out of South Korea that actually took the dimensions of the ark and created in their scale models because they wanted to see if it was even plausible for this thing to float. And these ship engineers that build these massive freighters put this information into the uh, computer and also put in all the other things that the Bible talks about and determined that it was remarkably stable in its dimensions. But one thing that they they discovered that if you have all that waste, it's producing gas. 
And these fumes are highly explosive. Well, how do you see in an arc with no electricity? Flames. Last time I checked, flames and explosive material do not go together. However, that according to their calculations, they determined that the window that was placed in the ark, that we're, that's famous for the dove and the raven, was actually perfect placement in order to be open to let the fumes, because the rocking of the boat, as the waste would settle in the bottom of the boat, and actually the waste would cause the boat to become more stable. As the boat would rock, those fumes would be released out of that waste and would rise up and it would be taken out by the window and would cause no harmful effects or explosive potential in that boat because it was perfectly built. So you've got all this smell you're dealing with. And on top of that, can I be honest with you? Imagine, even if they're family, imagine living with somebody and never being able to get a break from them for, eight, for 370 days. Can you imagine, let's be honest, how many times did, 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 did Japheth have to talk to Sister Japheth? Because Sister Japheth and Sister Ham weren't getting along. And Sister Ham says, if I have to be on this boat one more day with all of them, I don't know if I can last. And how many times do you think that, that they got on each other's nerves? They didn't like it. They didn't, you know, they just, they had a bad day. They woke up on the wrong side of the, whatever they had to sleep on. But 370 days, on top of that, you're dealing with the immense amount of stench and you're dealing with the constant sound of animals. Constantly. I don't think this was a pleasant place to be in. I don't think you're going to see that advertised with carnival and celebrity cruise lines as the newest and greatest attraction. From a natural standpoint, the ark stunk. The ark had smell to it. The ark had constant movement. Never seemed to be stable. You were having to work around and deal with people all the time. And you were having to do all this. And after a while, imagine that your patience level of breaking up the fights between the elephants and the giraffes and all the other stuff and trying to keep the monkeys calm and trying to keep the birds from chirping and trying to keep the creepy things from creeping you out and all the stuff that was taking place in this ark. I don't think this was some place that you would voluntarily go on if you had a choice. However... There was one slight problem. What was your alternative? Because dealing with what you're having to deal with on the ark was nothing compared to those that were dealing with what they were dealing with on the outside of the ark. Because God said, get in the ark. 
He didn't say it was going to be perfect. He didn't say everything was going to be easy. But he said, if you're in the ark, you're going to be saved. But in the ark, it stunk. In the ark, there were problems. In the ark, there were issues. But in the ark, there was safety. In the ark, there was, there was, there was life. In the ark, there was redemption. In the ark, there was hope. Outside of the ark, not so much. Proverbs tells us this. Proverbs chapter 14. Verse number four says, Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. I liked what the New Living Translation says for that verse. It says this, Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. I want to be a part of a church that stinks. I don't want to be a part of a church that smells good. I want to be a part of a church that stinks. Because the Bible says if a church stinks, that's a good thing. Because you know what? If a church smells good and is perfect, it's not a church. Because a church should be a place where there's some smells going on. Because you know what? My past smells. My issues smell. But you know what? Thank God His grace has allowed me to be a part of somewhere that I don't have to be perfect to be there. So the ark tells us that God is always willing to put up with your smell. Because look at it. Look at the characters in the Bible that stunk. Abraham stunk. David had some smell good moments, but he had some smelly moments too. Peter stunk. Imagine the odor produced by denying Christ three times. Paul reeked because of his past. They stunk. But you know what? I'm not here today to justify your smell, but I'm here to tell you today that God can live with your smell. The determining factor is not whether or not you smell good. The determining factor is where you're at. Because I'm sure there were some people that smelled good on the outside of the ark, but there were some people that smelled bad on the inside of the ark. So it wasn't how you smelled that was the point. It was where you were living was the most important thing. So if you want to be a part of a church that's perfect, I pray to God this never is that church. Because I hope this church remains to be flawed. I hope this church remains to have issues. I hope there are people in this church you don't like. I know that's not the right thing to say as a pastor. Because you know why? I don't want a church filled with people that are like you. I don't want a church filled with people that are like me. Because there are thousands and tens of thousands of people out there that are not like me. But they need Jesus. I don't want to go to a church that all look like me. 
I don't want to go to a church that have all the same color skin as I do. Or that have the same educational background as I do. That have the same amount of money as I do. I want to go to a church that has some white. That has some black. That has some yellow. That has some green. That has some purple. I want to go to a church that has some rich. That has some poor. That has some uneducated. That has some educated. Why? Because I want to be a part of a church that stinks. I want to be a part of the church that stinks because the Bible says the ark had some issues to it. It wasn't a perfect place, but it was a place of safety. Too many people have gotten off the ark because it smelled. They didn't like the way it, the motion. I don't want to get on this ark anymore. I'm tired of seeing sham, japheth, ham. I don't want to do this anymore. Noah's getting on my nerves. But my question is, what's the alternative? Can you swim that long? My dad tells a story, and maybe you, some of you in the military have similar experiences. I've never had this experience, and pray to God I never do, because it would probably not end well. But he tells a story in the Naval Academy, one of the things they had to do and, the, and did there, and then we went to flight training in Pensacola, part of the Navy flight school. One of the things they had to do in full gear, they had to tread water for an hour. The buoyancy of my body does not do well in water. I sink for some reason, I don't know. And to tread water for an hour, and he said some did it, and there's probably some in, in here that you're skilled enough, you can swim and tread water for a while. But eventually you're going to get tired, and eventually you're going to start sinking, and eventually you're going to need somebody to come and rescue you. You can jump off the ark. And jumping off the ark into the water, you can presume to be okay because we can all tread water for a while. And you look at people that get off the ark and you say, well, well their life seems to be pretty good, man. They're swimming around, splashing in the water. Boy, this is awesome. And you guys are on that smelly ark, but look, come out here. We swim with us. Boy, this is a wonderful life. You can go where you want to go and swim over here. You want to swim over here. And it looks good. But there's coming a day when swimming's going to get tiring. And swimming may be fun for a while. But there's going to be a time where you don't have the energy to swim no more. And you're going to be calling out to somebody and say, Is there anybody left on that ark that can help me? So you can jump off the ark and go in the water. And you can tread for a while. Because you don't like the ark and it stinks. And it can appear to be a good decision. But there's coming a time where that decision is going to realize, I can't swim anymore. I can't swim anymore. And you know what's really sad? Can you just give me a minute and I'm almost done. It's not in my notes, but I feel to say it in the Holy Ghost. If everyone here decides to leave, you don't come back. It is the calling of God for there to be a church here. Here's why. Because so, one day somebody's going to wake up and realize, I got to get back on the ark. But if the ark has been put in dry dock because everybody's out there swimming, they have nothing to come back to. I've seen it. It tears my heart. I've watched parents dismantle the ark because their kids wanted to swim. And the question is, when the kids stop swimming, where are you going to send them to? I've watched parents watch their kids swim and jump in the water with them because they didn't want their kids to be alone. 
My question is, when it all stops, where are you going to? Because you dismantled your ark. We're going to build an ark here. And you know what? I believe God's going to bless it. We're going to grow. But if we don't grow, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't dictate whether or not we need an ark. We need an ark because 9-11 proved we need an ark. Because 9-11, we woke up and they, they flew two planes in the World Trade Center and most believing people in this country looked around and said, I got to find an ark. Take me to an ark. But they go to an ark and after a while, smells. I don't like it. I don't want to be confined to this. How dare you tell me I can only go to the bow and to the stern. How dare you tell me I can go to port and starboard. I want to go out there. Look at all that horizon we can explore. I don't want to stay here with these smelly animals and these smelly people and all this smelly stuff. Let's go back out there and swim in life. But you know what? The only thing that stayed consistent in history has not been governments, has not been kings. Kings have risen, kings have fallen. Empires have come, empires have gone. America has come and America will go if the Lord tarries. The only thing that stayed consistent throughout history has been the ark. The ark that was placed by Noah. Yeah, it might have deteriorated, might have gone away, but the principle of the ark has been in existence ever since. And kings have risen and kings have fallen. Empires have risen, empires fall, but the ark has stayed consistent. Because the ark is not built by man. The ark is built by God. And yes, the ark stinks. Church stinks. But stinks a good thing. Because you know what? Stinks means that we're helping people. I want you to come in here. I want people to come in here. I want the smelliest, just rankest people to come in here. Because that's what this is about. It's not about we want the, the smell good potpourri of society. You know what? We're not a group of perfect people. We're a group that produces waste. I know that's not the perfect thing to say from a pulpit, but let's be honest. We produce waste. But the Bible says, where there are no oxen, nothing gets done. I'd rather put up with cleaning up your mess because God's working in your life, then you be out there because you feel like you're not worthy to be in here. Some of you today, you've got faults. You've got failures. You've got difficulties. You've got things in your life. You, do you need help? Yeah. Do you need to work on them? Yeah, 100%. Am I justifying sin? Absolutely not. Am I saying the stuff you're involved in is okay? I'm not saying that. However... God works by a very simple principle. He works by the 5149 principle. There's a lot of days I only got 51% in me that's worth anything. And 49% of Joel stinks. But God's grace is sufficient. 
There's some of you here today, you go, look at all the stuff I've got. Look at all the issues I have. Look at all my problems. Look at all. You don't know what I do. You don't know what I say. You don't know what, what I'm involved in. No, I don't. I really don't want to know. But ultimately, just like God does with me, he doesn't look at our smell. He looks at our potential and what we can be. This, this thing stinks. Because I think on that boat, they realized it smells, but we can live with this. I can live with it. I don't have a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in me, Regina, that absolutely stinks to high heavens. If, if I, I would be so embarrassed, I mean this, I don't mean that to be funny, I'd be so embarrassed if my thoughts for the week were played on that screen. I don't know if I could come back, and I don't mean that to be stupid. I don't think I could come back and face you if everything I thought during a week was played up on that screen. It would cause me so much shame. I don't stand here today because I, I walk around in some kind of cloud and a halo and polish my wings. You know what? You know what got us to do a lot, Brother Lamon? Yes, they go in my stall and clean out some stuff. He's got some, I mean, what do they call him, a pooper scooper? I got an industrial size sometimes in my life. Because I got some stuff that's got to be cleaned out of my life. But you know what he says? Where there is no ox, clean stall. God doesn't want a clean church. God doesn't want a sinless church. How do you say that? We're not supposed to sin. Because he never wanted us to be sinless. That was the whole purpose for the cross. If we were sinless, we would have no reason for a savior. We're never going to be sinless. Because it's the sin that continues to drive us to our knees for our savior. I'm not justifying your sin, but I'm saying there's always going to be it in your life. So if you're trying to eliminate all your sin, it's never going to happen. Because it's the sin that demands a savior. With no sin, there is no savior. There is coming a day when we transfer out of this life into the new life. We will no longer have this flesh because we will no longer be in need of a savior. We'll be with our Lord, our, our, our groom, as we are the bride of Christ. But right now on this earth, we need a savior. So I'm saying, you know what? Church stinks. You stink, but it's okay. You smell, but that's a good thing. Your life reeks, but it's okay. Because we've got to have some ox for a harvest. And with ox comes problems. With oxen... You have to come in and clean some stalls. With oxen, you've got to do some things. You, with oxen, you've got to break up some fights. You, with oxen, you've got to do some things. But that's okay. Because you know what? We need an ark. Because there's a world out there. They're going to stop swimming one day. And they're going to need somewhere to go. Sister Ray, if you would come.
Titanic hits an iceberg. Water begins to take on. Captain goes to the telegraph room, which was still a pretty new technology, and says, send out an SOS informing all the ships around. We're taking on water. We're going down. Come to our rescue. Telegraph office says, There's only a few ships that have returned our call and the closest one is probably four hours away. We all know the story of the Titanic. They didn't have enough lifeboats for all the people. That was an issue. But if there was, had been a boat nearby that was close enough, hundreds if not thousands could have been saved. Even without a lifeboat, they could have made it if there was somewhere they could have swam to. But as they got into that icy cold water on that cold April night, there was nowhere to go. And I believe it was the California, I believe it was the name of the ship that eventually came. It eventually showed up hours later, but by that time, the only people that could save were the people that were in a lifeboat. Everybody else that had no boat could not be saved. God forbid if the church is so far away from the world that it takes us so long to attach ourselves that people drown before we get there. I'm not saying we become like the world. I'm not saying we act like the world. But God forbid the church becomes such a holy place that we're so far detached from the wreckage of life that when people are in the water and they need someone to rescue, it takes us four hours to get there. Jesus. Jesus. And yes, we got to put up with some stuff. You're not going to like me all the time. You're not going to like the person sitting next to you. After a while, you've been around a long time. Church. There are Sunday's church just flat out stinks. It's just, it's funky, as they say. It stinks. But you know what? Where are we going? Where are we going to go? Oh, we can jump off and we can swim, but I don't know about you, but my tread and water skills aren't that great. The Bible does say there's pleasure for a season. There's, there's treading for a season. But there's tiring. We still need an ark. And it's one thing to be somebody on the outside of the ark that doesn't know what it's like to be on the inside. But God forbid we have people that are willing to jump off the ark to join those that are in the water. Church stinks. But that's okay. Because you know what? We have a God that's willing to put up with my stink. I've got a God that's willing to put up with your stink. We're never going to be perfect. And I pray to God we stop striving to be perfect. This needs to be a place where people can come who are messed up. We need to be a place where someone can come 
and feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost, but the acceptance and love of a brother and a sister. We don't, I'm not here to, to justify sin. I'm not here to say sin is okay. But let God be the convictor of the sin. Because until you're willing to go on a cross and die, you don't have the right to convict someone of their sin. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to justify it. But it's not yours to convict. We have a Savior. So I pray that every person has the opportunity to come in here. I pray that if you go out this weekend, you just absolutely lose your mind. That when you wake up next Sunday, you go, you know what? I got to go to church. And you don't feel, I can't go there. Look at all I've done. I hope the first thing you do is, I got to get back to church. I got to get back on the ark. I got to get, wait, don't I smell? It's okay, baby. We all stink. Bring your stink. I've got my stink. But get back on the ark. If you jump off this week, it's okay. If you jump into a pile of manure, it's okay. Bring your stink. Because I'm telling you, I can't smell yours because I'm too busy smelling mine. But it's okay. Because this is the ark. This is the ark. This is the place of safety. It's a place of refuge. This is the place. You know what? You see people, I'm thankful for deodorant. But let's be honest. If you stink, right guard in secret, they can only go so far. That's true. And you ever been around somebody that is in need of some some zest? Some Irish spring, but yet for some reason they've decided just to cover it up. And so you have the combination of the strong deodorant and just the flat out, just. We all know we're laughing because we're thinking about somebody. We are thinking about somebody. Just don't tell that person's not sitting next to you. But you know what? You take a shower and you let the shower wash you. It washes you away. The smell. And for a little while after the shower, you smell good. But you know what? Your body produces odor. I guarantee you didn't think we were going to talk about this today. Woo! What is he talking about? And after a while, guess what? Hopefully, most of us take a bath on a regular basis. Yes. Because it's the bath that washes away the odor. You know what coming to church is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. I'm stinky, Jesus. <laughs> I've got stuff in my life. But let your blood wash over me today. And let the blood of Jesus wash me. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse me. And I can walk out of here today forgiven and clean. But you know what? I'm going to need it again. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing, but I'm so glad today that the blood that was shed on Calvary did not puddle at the foot of Calvary and dry up, but the blood that was shed on Calvary did not puddle, but became a river that flows to me today. Would you stand? Oh, 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 oh. Hallelujah.
I promise you next week we will not talk about stink. But lesson learned from the ark, lesson number one, church stinks, but that's okay. You stink, but that's okay. We all stink, but it's okay. Because I want to be in the ark. Father, we come to you today. You know, your, your, your word says you know our, your, com, your comings, you know our goings. You know our risings, you know our fallings. Lord, you know what we're in need of today. You know every person in here. You know the, 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 the difficulties of their life. You know the faults and failures of their life. Today, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us all the grace to stay on the ark. Lord, sometimes it's not, it doesn't feel like it's the best place, but your word said it's the only place. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would help us look beyond our ashes to find the beauty of your grace, to look past the brokenness of our life, to find the healing of your mercy. I pray tonight, today, Lord, that you would touch our hearts today. Lord, it's not a justification of sin, but you died to take care of sin. Sin's not the problem. Sin's never been the problem. You can take care of sin through your blood in just a moment. But God, we help us to give us the grace to be willing to stay on the ark. Help us today. Help us today. We need you. Can you just say that to him for a moment? Just ask the Lord to help you. Maybe you don't know what to pray, but before we close and dismiss, can you just ask God very simply say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. All I have, Lord, is brokenness. What's brokenness? Brokenness and strife. He made something, something beautiful. My life. Can we sing this one more time before we close? Oh, oh, oh something beautiful. Oh, oh, oh something good. Oh, all of my confusion. Oh, Jesus understood. Oh, Jesus understood. Oh, all I have to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something, something beautiful. Oh. Can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord one more time before we dismiss? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Give us the grace and mercy to walk in it. Give us the grace and mercy, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. If you need to go, thank you for being here today. Make sure you shake somebody's hand before you leave. God bless you. Jesus, Jesus.